Welcome back to our podcast, Dental Study Bites Patient Case Reviews. It's Jess and Neha here, and we are now fourth-year dental students at the University of Minnesota. In this podcast, we talk about patient cases in conjunction with high-yield board facts. Today is part one of a full-mouth rehabilitation case we are going to be discussing for the next few episodes. This case was kindly provided to us by Dr. Velasquez and is quite involved as it required endodontics, prosthodontics, and periodontics residents to collaborate. Today we will be talking about the endodontics aspect of this case, as a root canal treatment was why the patient presented to the clinic. And as far as my experience with boards in May, this topic was on there quite a bit, especially being able to determine what type of therapy is necessary for a tooth with the diseased pulp. A lot of that centers on things like whether you do a full root canal, a pulpectomy, a pulpotomy, or treatment along those lines. So I'm excited to talk about this today. Me too, so let's get started. The patient is a 46-year-old male that presented to urgent care clinic for tooth pain and swelling in the lower right. He received a referral for a root canal along with a seven-day course of amoxicillin. Medical history is non-contributory and the patient is ASA1 status. So, if he was allergic to amoxicillin, what would be a good alternative for an antibiotic? The first choice would most likely be clindamycin, but if they couldn't tolerate that, a macrolide could always be used. Another, another potential idea, though less ideal because it is of the broadest spectrum, which makes it more likely to cause a superinfection, would be tetracycline. However, if this patient was a young child, we would not want to use a tetracycline. Why is that, Jess? Because it can cause staining of the teeth when they are developing. Exactly right. Drugs from the tetracycline class are also of the broadest spectrum, so they have a higher likelihood of causing a superinfection. What are clindamycin and tetracycline associated with? Clindamycin is associated with pseudomembranous colitis, and tetracyclines are associated with liver failure. Getting back to the case, a CBCT was taken on the patient. It was found that he had a large apical radiolucency on number 30. Upon finding this, further testing of number 30 and the surrounding teeth were done. Number 30 turned out to be palpation and percussion sensitive. It was also not responsive to cold. This indicated that the tooth had what prognosis, keeping in mind that the tooth had been treated with a root canal before. The pulp would have a prognosis of being previously treated since it had had a previous root canal done on it. If the tooth had not been treated previously, it would be diagnosed as a necrotic pulp since the tooth did not respond to cold at all. If the tooth had responded to cold, but was lingering, it would be irreversible pulpitis. What about if the tooth had been responsive and non-lingering? Then it would be reversible pulpitis. Now, since the tooth was sensitive to palpation and percussion, what is the diagnosis for the tissue? That would be symptomatic apical periodontitis. If the patient hadn't had any symptoms, but still had an apical radiolucency, then what would have been? It would have been asymptomatic apical periodontitis. What if there had been a sinus tract infection? Then it would have been a chronic apical abscess. Absolutely. So to summarize the diagnosis of number 30 for this case, it was previously treated with symptomatic apical periodontitis. Since the tooth is having symptoms and shows a large apical radiolucency indicating an infection, it would be indicated for a root canal retreatment or extraction. The patient in this case decided to retreat the tooth. Correct. So with retreatment, that means the tooth would have had to be reaccessed, cleaned with the filing system again, and filled with gutta percha one more time. What is gutta percha made of primarily? Gutta percha is primarily made out of zinc oxide. This tooth was a mandibular first molar, but if it had been a maxillary first molar, how many canals slash roots would it have had? 
it would have been three roots and four canals. The most common canal missed being the mesiobuccal canal. Awesome. So I think it would also be a great idea to go over different types of endodontic treatment that you can do for a patient. In this case, it was elected to do a non-surgical root canal treatment. However, there are many different ways to treat infected teeth. Let's talk about a plopotomy. What is it? Great idea. A plopotomy is the removal of the diseased pulp tissue in just the coronal part of the tooth. So the pulp tissue in the roots and the canals still remains. There's no filing that takes place in this instance. Pulpotomies are often done on primary teeth in conjunction with stainless steel crowns when caries reach the pulp. What type of material do you usually use for this? First, a material is used to stop the bleeding in the canal. A common product used is formocresol. Then, usually zinc oxide eugenol is used to fill the chamber. So how does a pulpectomy differ from a pulpotomy? A pulpectomy involves removing both coronal and radicular diseased pulp tissue. What materials would you use for this? You'd use calcium hydroxide in the root and zinc oxide eugenol in the crown. Awesome! So now let's talk about apexogenesis. What is that? Apexogenesis is any treatment of the tooth that is trying to keep the tooth alive long enough to allow it to fully develop. An example of this would be a pulpotomy, or an indirect pulp cap, or a direct pulp cap. Do you mind explaining the difference between a direct and indirect pulp cap? Sure, so a direct pulp cap is done when there is a direct pulp exposure, whereas an indirect pulp cap is done when you have not hit the pulp yet, but when there is only a thin amount of dentin remaining above the pulp. In both instances, calcium hydroxide can be used as a liner, and resin-modified glass ionomer can be used for indirect pulp caps. I think the only thing that we haven't covered yet is apexification. Do you want to explain that? Sure. Apexification is when an apical barrier is added to the root. This is done when a tooth is not fully developed yet and requires pulpal debridement. Usually, calcium hydroxide, or MTA, are used to add this barrier. So we've just spent a lot of time talking about the different types of pulpal treatment, but we haven't discussed the common bacteria that cause primary and secondary pulp infections. What are those, Jess? Good point. Primary endodontic infections are commonly caused by bacteroids, whereas secondary endodontic infections, or failed root canals, are caused by Enterococcus faecalis, mostly. So, in this case, we didn't have any trauma. Do you want to go through the different types of trauma, too? It seems appropriate since often trauma can end up leading to the need for a root canal in some instances. Do you want to give us a breakdown of them all? Sure, let's do it. There are about five main types. There is avulsion, which is when the tooth is completely out of the dental socket. There is intrusion, which happens with apical displacement. There's extrusion, which happens when the tooth is partially erupted from the socket. And then there's concussion, where there's no displacement, just soreness. The last one is subluxation, where there is no displacement, but increased mobility. Jess, what is the best solution for when a tooth is avulsed? That would be Hank's Balanced Salt Solution. Exactly. Do you want to walk us through the Ellis classification for when trauma happens to teeth? Of course. So the system is broken down into class 1 through 6. Class 1 is when the fracture is just into the enamel. Class 2 is when the fracture is into enamel and dentin. Class 3 is, you guessed it, when the fracture is into enamel, dentin, and the pulp. Class 4 is when the tooth has been traumatized so that it's not vital now. Class 5 is when the tooth was luxated. And finally, class six is when the tooth is evulsed. Perfect, thanks for that. I think with that, we have just about wrapped up our board's relevant endodontic materials for this case. 
The man in this case decided to retreat his root canal due to the active apical radiolucency and infection. Once he got it retreated, he was sent to the graduate prosthodontic department at the University of Minnesota to discuss getting a full mouth reconstruction since his BDO was compromised. Stay tuned for our next podcast that will fully flush out his experience with the graduate prosthodontic department and what treatment they were able to do for him with that full mouth reconstruction. We will also be talking about plenty of prosthodontic boards facts. We look forward to seeing you guys then. Thanks for listening and remember to do us a huge favor by filling out the survey at the end of this podcast. This will help us with our research and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks everyone.